Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series, where we're talking to CEOs and entrepreneurs all about their epic business blunders, you know, the stuff they don't want to put on their LinkedIn timeline. And that guy today, or in the hot seat uh, with us today, is none other than Stephen Goldberg, the CEO of HarperDB. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, being here. Uh, the privilege is all mine, man. It's great to have you here. So um, why don't you kick us off, Stephen, with uh, the elevator pitch? What are you guys up to there at HarperDB? Yeah, so at HarperDB, we're focused on um, building an um, enterprise data platform um, with the goal of helping companies in gaming, streaming media, and telecommunications um, to improve customer experience while reducing um, their cloud costs. Okay, cool. And uh, so what's a typical problem that you solve? Is it kind of infrastructure scaling, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, uh, you know, w when you look at the world um, now, especially in the last couple of years, as more and more devices come online and more and more people um, are using the internet more heavily, what you find is that sort of the centralized cloud model of having your infrastructure in a couple regions in the cloud doesn't really globally distribute well. And as things like 5G come online um, and um, create uh, bigger pipes to the internet for the um, these devices, it just creates more and more congestion. And so what we do is we help globally distribute applications and data um, so that we can make APIs faster, we can make um, we can make you know mobile apps faster. So a pretty example use case is um, a company may have millions of users around the world trying to access their mobile application. Um, that data typically could be centralized in a single place in the United States. We help put that all over the world, making the app faster while also driving down their hyperscaler cloud costs dramatically, sometimes as much as 90%. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, great. Uh, so let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this episode. What is your story of fail for our audience around the world today? Yeah, so that actually ties quite well into what I just said. Um, so, you know, I'm primarily a tech person, as you can probably tell from the last 30 seconds. Uh, I'm not um, kind of the really well-polished um, founder or CEO who has a Wharton MBA. Um, and I experienced the problem I was just talking about myself um, in 2013, 14, 15 while consuming lots of social media data from the Twitter firehose, Facebook firehose. Um, and that I was a CTO and I had this massive problem where trying to keep my data infrastructure alive was really problematic for me. I bought a Cray supercomputer, which cost a million dollars trying to like keep our stuff alive, trying to reduce our spend. Um, we're spending most of our time working on that instead of building our own products. So I just, thought of a better way to do it with my co-founders, Kyle and Fred. Um, and I didn't really do any market research. It didn't occur to me that other people might not be experiencing that problem at that time. I didn't ask anyone, hey, you know, why, why are you, you know, how are you doing? I did ask several folks how they were doing it. And no one had a good answer, but it didn't occur to me that no one had a good answer because no one was experiencing this problem yet. Uh, and so we launched way too early. Um, in, you know, we, we launched probably three years before the market was really ready for our product, which had the one advantage of us having time to really harden our product. But on the flip side, 
was extremely hard as a venture-backed startup to try and you know show the metrics you want to show from a growth perspective, show adoption. Um, we were evangelizing a problem no one knew existed. Um, we um, like the only reason we're still alive really is we've had a great set of investors who believed in us. We worked really hard and had an incredible degree of perseverance, but um, we we really launched maybe two two years before like we should have and three years before the market needed our product. Hmm. Crazy, man. So what did you learn from that experience, Stephen? Um, I think I learned uh, look before you jump maybe uh, as an important part of it. Um, maybe do a little bit of research. Maybe, you know, I I tend to be a very in, intuition-based person and less uh, sort of um, – uh, like a careful decision maker. And um, that serves me well a lot of the time. But I think it also taught me that I need to listen to people who make decisions carefully, do a little bit more research, plan things out. Um, and to be honest, then I started leaning that way. And we slowed down. And that was a struggle as well. And so then I learned later that my intuition is quite valuable. Um, but maybe I need to balance that out with other people who are doing some research and kind of meet somewhere in the happy middle, at least use that as a, you know, a, a, a guiding, um, post, uh, instead of just kind of leaping blindly. Um, I also learned though, that passion, um, goes a long way. We have built an incredible product because we let our passion lead us instead of spreadsheets, instead of, um, kind of, um, you know, just, um, analytics, we really built a product we would want to use. We built a product that we cared deeply about. And then the market did catch up and other people started to experience that problem. Um, and, and it mattered. Um, but, uh, I, I think I learned that a little bit of caution is not the worst thing <laughs> in, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things is to add. I think that uh, intuition is a is a underrated skill, like genuine. Yeah. You know, you get like logic and and ration and stuff. But that's, sometimes you just got to trust your guts and say, "Hey, is this a problem that you know I care about? And is this something that I feel like I can double click on and scale?" You know, um, yeah. and it's to it, it, to follow you. It's an it's a form of intelligence. It's as important as a data point. Your intuition, um, and it's a it's a skill set that you know anyone can develop. Yeah. And I, I think I learned that my intuition is often right. My sense of time is often wrong. Um, and um, so I've learned to continue to trust my intuition, but to listen to other people, specifically my co-founder, Fred, about timelines. Uh, and I think combining those two things has really kind of allowed us to turn a corner quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, if you could get into the Matt Brown Show time machine and, you know, go back in time and could do things differently, you mentioned market research being one thing, but curious to know, what would you do differently in, in knowing what you know now and with hindsight and why? Yeah, I think I still would have founded the company when I did. I think I still would have started with the core team we did. I think I still would have raised money. I think all of that was good. I think the biggest mistake that we really made was – we went to market too soon. We tried to sell our product. We tried to gain revenue quickly. We made people aware that we existed. And so it turns out when you're building a database, 
it takes a long time. <laughs> you know, we've been in business six and a half years. And so I think we launched at the right time, but I think we went to market way too soon. And so I think there's some value in taking your time and doing things correctly in worrying about the craftsmanship of a complex problem. And so I think what we would have done is probably just stayed in stealth mode for a year or two, built the product, gained early traction in other ways besides revenue or, you know, going to market, maybe private betas, things like that. And I think we would have seen, um, I think we would have spent less money. You know, we wouldn't have spent money on things like trade shows um, and T-shirts and website and branding. And we could have spent that money on just building our product. Um, ultimately, we got where we wanted to go. But I was just too impatient to get out there. Uh, and I think having a little bit of patience and also really launching correctly um, were, were the two things I wish I had done uh, correctly. Mm. Mm. So what have you learned about go-to-market fit? Like how do you know when you're there? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> we've thought we were there more than once. So uh, I think the thing I've learned probably most about it is that when, you know, one person likes your product, that's great. When two people like your product, that's great. When, you know, you start to hear the same story from 10, 15, 20 people, um, that's kind of the the main thing I learned is that product market fit is like a stair-step function. It's not a moment. I think that when you're raising money, the venture community kind of tries to think of it as like this one defining moment. But I think product market fit is more... Um, it's more like a, a process. You can find early product market fit, but I think that matures into a more mass product market fit over time as you learn that problem set more deeply, learn what it needs. And in our case, we really didn't have to change our product that much, but we did have to change how we told the story of how we were selling it. So it resonated better, which was very confusing for us because we already had the technology and the product that solved the problem that we're still solving today years ago, but telling the story to the market, what was really critical there. So Steven, what's your advice to CEOs or entrepreneurs right now about the importance of failing in business success? Um, I, I mean, we've failed a lot. This is just one story of how we failed. I, I've hired folks I shouldn't have hired. I've, um, you know, we've launched entire products that we probably shouldn't have launched. Um, we've made bad technical decisions. So what I would say is failure is inevitable. Um, you are going to fail. Um, I think, um, you know, everybody says you learn from the most from failures. And yes, that's true. But like, I, I'm, I know more from my wounds than I do from my successes. I think what I would say is, how you adopt a mindset, uh, about failure. Um, I would hold it lightly. I think that's been the most important thing to me. I think cause my failures used to crush me. Um, they still do. Some of the big ones are still, you know, like I made a mistake a couple weeks ago and I was nearly comatose for 24 hours. Uh, I would say that, um, trying your best to hold failure lightly is probably, the most important advice that I can give and, you know, be kind to yourself and move on. Mm. And Stephen, what about, um, what about 
books or tools or resources or things like that? What comes to mind for you as key things to, to, for other entrepreneurs and CEOs to use on their journey? Um, you know, uh, I think for me, like impactful books I've read, um, like I, I love the Freakonomics guys books, so Satya Nadell's book, uh, like reboot, I thought it was a fantastic book. Um, I loved how I built this, uh, by Guy Raz, like this great podcast that I think has been super helpful to me. Ironically, I don't think I learned very much from listening to it. I think it was more of like a form of therapy, uh, that when I was going through my journey, listening to other people and being like, Oh, well, those guys were complete boneheads and they built a multi-billion dollar company. So I guess I can probably still do this. That, that one has been very valuable to me. Um, and, um, yeah, and I think just having a core group of friends around you and people who believe in you, who you can trust and who you can be authentic with, uh, and go to therapy, uh, is the <laughs> uh, other advice I would give. <laughs> business therapy guys you heard it your first <laughs> yeah. I, I i'm I, i'm a big fan of it um my uh yeah i think it's important <laughs> yeah i dude i i think everybody needs to be in therapy it's called a mastermind group <laughs> yeah. right it's like oh yeah. my god i can't relate to my children um you know it's a it's a funny thing it's funny like those mastermind stories they're, they're so valuable because of the personal stuff you get to share you know it's like fuck man like i'm going through depression you know um yeah. you know and you know i lost this big client or so we were two years too early and i'm dying here you know um and just having someone to share that stuff we're kind of like a it's like an na or aa meeting for business owners yeah i i think yeah there's a lot of good groups out there um i think finding one that like fits you i think it can be really weird when your business is radically different than other businesses um I think that I've always found hard. Um, I think, but when you can find peers, like my peers are the people, you know, I have a couple CEOs who I know in the Denver area who are, have similar businesses or at least life cycle and grabbing a beer with them sometimes is, you know, the most effective thing for me to get my head on straight. Um, and they, you know, give great advice. They're just, they know what you're going through so they can listen. And so it, it it, it's it can feel very lonely without that mm, absolutely well steve thanks so much bud for being on the show appreciate you for uh, being in the hot seat but that does conclude uh, your time for the for the, for today at least uh but i feel like there's a whole bunch of other stuff we should be talking about but anyway uh thanks for being on the show man and uh, and lending your your own secret of fail thank you for having me i really enjoyed it anytime brother thanks everybody 